0: The Big Red Couch, a podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players
1: draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pictures to you.
0: Welcome, listener, to episode 87 of The Big Red Couch. On today's episode, Canadian Mind Beams. And a special guest who has, uh, more Canadian credentials than we?
1: extensive and exhaustive knowledge of all things canadian relatively speaking
0: relatively
1: <laughs> allow me to introduce how did we introduce you last
0: time on the podcast probably
2: with my name so hello i am charlie and i speak canadian even
1: though i'm not welcome charlie thank you very much for coming on the show it is great to have an acknowledged worldwide expert in in canadianness Which I'm less convinced is a real word the more I think about it.
2: (laughs) It is nice to have my many years of research finally acknowledged by the media.
1: (laughs) Oh, we're the media now? Oh, God. (laughs) It's all right. We can be the lying media. It's the new thing.
0: Right. Fake podcasting, because that's necessary.
1: (laughs) I've always assumed fake podcasting is what happens when you pod fade, but you still hand out business cards. Who would do that? I've got to admit, I might try it if I thought there was a chance I'd get a free drink out of it at a convention.
0: The idea of somebody coasting on their faded podcast glory is more desperately pathetic than I can comprehend right
1: now. There's probably a sitcom in it. Yep. So, we have this day, participants uh, of the call in three different places. From the distant future, from at least my point of view, Ben is experiencing, what, afternoon? Indeed. And in the distant past, Charlie is experiencing evening. <laughs> it's true. And I'm sitting in a stairwell in a hostel in Edinburgh at one in the morning.
0: Does it feel like you're still watching Train Spotting T2?
1: Maybe a little bit, yeah, actually. And I did see that movie yesterday, so
0: yeah. So you were just wondering if it's just sort of all flown flowed together.
1: Yes, the line was then that I made the entirely logical and reasonable decision to sit in a stairwell and podcast comes to mind.
0: So, there is some history to the Canadian Mind beams prompt? There is.
2: It's to do with Operation Can't Wait Any Longer or Operation Seawall. Don't listen to Kevin. It's not Quall. It's Seawall. He is a liar and a fraud. But yes, it's, I believe, from the Starcraft fanfic that the group created and got included in the game because of. And I think one of the running gags in that fanfiction was... The concept of Canadian Mind Beams. Now I don't know exactly what Canadian Mind Beams did because when I joined we were going through a kind of everybody was trying to write a serious version rather than just like man walks into Starbucks swears loudly has a machine gun so I don't think there were as many Canadian Mind Beams or if they were they were sort of you know serious government Mind Beams or something but that's really all I know.
0: I had an inkling that it might have been considered as being used as a podcast name at some point. Possibly in mighty competition with the Big Red Couch. Ooh! But I don't know that the threat has been made real, and it's entirely possible that the inclusion of this card into the Box of Mystery was a bit of a come on if you think you're hard enough.
2: That could also be it. The Canadians from Operation Seawall are very proud of their mind beams, so I, I can imagine they would name podcast thusly
0: may not have come into being yet but the esteemed doctor video games (laughs) kev may have had that as a friendly jibe to provoke them to doing such a thing because you know
1: it could be amusing also that is i think his handwriting (laughs) now that i look at the card That does look like Kev's handwriting, right? and I have a very different version of the story as to why the card is in there, because according to the card, it was demanded by a couple of people, but at least one of those people denies demanding it. (laughs) <laughs> so your theory about the sinister involvement of Doctor Video Game is, is growing legs, shall we say.
2: Well, he is an evil doctor, so he would have a scheme of some kind going on. He,
1: he is an evil doctor and a, a filthy liar, as has been um, established, and in the words of Guillermo del Toro, and a good personal friend.
0: So, fertile ground for slander and ramblings about the fine people of Soviet Kanakistan. I thought that was just an internet thing, but I looked up on Wikipedia and apparently it was real. Pat Buchanan
1: or some other amazing personality what, decided that yes, Canada was a Soviet enclave.
2: Well, we are filthy socialists, according to Our Neighbours to the South.
0: Well, considering that the Democratic People's Republic of South Canada and its new commander, Kim il Don may
1: <laughs> have its own problems shortly, you're probably fine.
2: We're definitely fine by comparison, and that's all you need.
1: To be fair, the 45th president has made significant contributions to the arts. Saturday Night Live has never been more popular. And a woman from Scotland won a New Zealand poetry prize with a poem dedicated to the Americans upon their election of a tangerine gabshite walloper.
2: (laughs) Scotland, you have the best names for things.
0: Yes, they're always amazing. And often require like two phrase
1: books at least to get all the way through. (laughs) Yeah, tangerine, gabshite, walloper. I have no idea what it means, but it cannot possibly be complimentary.
2: If you're a gobshite, then you're a gobshite. Surely you have gobshites in New Zealand.
1: Well, yes, it's the walloper bit. Filthy liar is the best I could come up with.
2: I think it's... I can see myself calling someone a walloper and knowing when would be the right time, but the actual definition, it's. I think it's instinctive. Or mm. it's, I'm not Scottish, but as someone who is adjacent to Scotland, it's like kind of knowing a language, but not enough to use it yourself.
0: Yeah, you know the context, you know when it sounds right. The same way that mm. some Australian expressions of affection are deeply offensive in other countries, but it sounds totally normal An australian uses it well that sounds totally australian
1: anyway that is true in a, in a text transcript of a conversation with an australian mate can look like one half of an argument <laughs> <laughs> now that i think on it we have an idea from south canada we also have some some musings on the previous episode which we can kind of chuck in if there is time does anybody else have an idea <laughs>
2: I have a barely related idea, and then uh, my husband, the actual Canadian, came up with what I think is actually a pretty good idea.
0: Sounds like you've got some notions, and you know, you've know you reinforced your Canadian credentials by co-opting some of the uh, local, local talent.
2: <laughs> I did just walk around poking people until they told me, uh, okay, here's my plan. Awesome. Um,
1: Cultural imperialism at its finest. This is what made the Empire great. You and wander you know around what? and you poke the locals until they give up what you want.
2: It's only fitting that um, a British woman be representing Canada on your podcast in that vein. Indeed. <laughs> Here to tell you what the most Canadian things are.
1: Ah, bless the Commonwealth. I would know. <laughs> Makes me wish I had a drop-in board so I could just start dropping in rural Britannia or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just comp it in the background, everyone will get it. <laughs> <laughs> that'll <could> be fine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> as per usual with my previous contributions, I've had a concept, but no clue as to how you would implement it as a game. And so Canadian Mindbeams has at the moment mostly just been bringing on thoughts of the Power Rangers. Not that, you know, Ah. um, a childhood love of mine is being rebooted or anything, but um, yeah. So my Canadian Mind Beams thing seems to just be like an ultra-Canadian Super Sentai game where every different Power Ranger Super Sentai person is just kind of a Canadian stereotype or has powers based on a Canadian stereotype.
0: That would definitely work. I like it.
2: It's really off on a huge tangent. It's it's not really related to the concept of mind beams unless you're literally shooting a beam of purest maple syrup from your forehead at the enemy. But generally the idea is that you've got your um, plucky teens. each one gets, you know, like you're a beaver, you're a moose, you're a maritimer. And you get your, you know, superpowers based off of your stereotype. And you go save the world because it's falling to hell and only Canada can solve the problems of the world right now because we have an attractive prime minister who definitely is all right with the concept of reforming the voting system. Cough, cough. Perhaps he reformed it to be all about Power Rangers. I don't know. (laughs) I was expecting there to be two other Canadians with better ideas.
1: But they bowed out because British ideas is all are superior. Fault. This <laughs> is all their fault.
0: Part of this process here is that we workshop ideas and see if we can make them more, if possibly worse.
2: I can't take on suggestions from colonials, though.
1: Technically, I'm Surely... also British. There you go. All right, then. <laughs> I I, have I like the past. this in person.
2: I think this whole me representing Canada has really gone to my head and made me the worst kind of human.
0: <laughs> so perfect for podcasting. <laughs> and, and I thought that was the que- Quebecois, though.
1: <laughs> I think the, the Canadian Super Sentai squad would obviously have to be deployed by Justin Trudeau. I think so. It just wouldn't work otherwise, or at least it wouldn't be anywhere near as funny.
2: It's hard to gamify, it's, it's more like a really crappy children's TV show that then has a side-scroller made after the fact.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's how you gamify it. I'm pretty confident you could do something with inspectors. There is at least one game out there that is all about god-awful television shows, mm. and, and playing god-awful television shows, so... Is it Primetime Adventures, or...? Thank you, Yes. Yeah, primetime adventures. You could definitely do. I mean, if you wanted to just do something horrible that would make the original producers cry, you could take something like Hong Kong Action Theatre and turn it into the Canadian Super Sentai Power Ranger Squad. That has to have
0: been attempted already, though, because like the original series has like been running for like 27 seasons at this stage and that might, that might just be the stuff that's been tr- has been dubbed and imported into America. People talk about Power Rangers being rebooted but it's never stopped being rebooted is almost the case
2: I think what's happened is I didn't realise it was still going until I was babysitting mm. some, a relative's kid and he's like let's watch Power Rangers and it's just a completely different thing and I think it's in New Zealand or Australia like they've stopped sending them to America for like A really long time now Hmm. it's just kind of become its own thing
0: yeah
2: away from america where it's no longer like plucky american teens um because now it's got i suppose australasian sensibilities and it's not about the power of friendship bringing you together it's just more sensible
1: (laughs) (laughs) punching monsters and
2: There, there was less arbitrary drama they were just kind of getting on with it. Right. Which I preferred.
1: Nice.
2: Terrible production values.
1: I believe it's it's made, or it's bits of it are made in New Zealand, which may explain a lot of the, the Kiwi DIY aesthetic applied to punching strange monsters. I quite like the idea. I, it would be difficult to do it as a serious game, but I don't think any of us expected <laughs> expected that to happen going in, so...
0: Yes, I'm seeing the possibilities. It's definitely, the idea of localizing it with people proper have properly cultivated the knowledge of it. Localizing it as a Canadian version of the Power Rangers would be interesting at the very least. Just basically translate the Californian teen drama into somewhere, in somewhere, as you say, more sensible. Just to um, see how that how that goes. As part of my extensive research, I've been reading old Alpha Flight comics, and that's fascinating superheroes were desperately po-faced and extremely serious at that time in the 80s, clearly. But one of the amusing things I recall from our previous conversations is one of the first gigantic threats they face is an enemy called Tundra, who's basically a walking chunk of Bog, who's one of major one of their major attacks is swarms of mosquitoes. Ah, Lots of options there.
1: <laughs>
2: and you'd have to have an like a whole second team who are entirely francophone.
1: Oh, that's brilliant
2: (laughs) like are they the enemy or are they your you know clones from a mirror universe or are they just the guys that only respond to francophone enemies like who knows
0: in the middle of the fight somebody the villain curses in french and somebody oh oh no we're not going there the, the
1: other squad has to step in
2: we need to stop right now or there's going to be a problem
1: i love the idea of if the two teams are working together Okay, we just need to have the bad guy say something French, then these guys can step in and spell us. Nice. I love the idea of people trying to get the bad guys to in some way use a French word or phrase just to trigger the Francophone Canadian Power Rangers.
2: I think there would also have to be a quota for the number of Francophone enemies. So if you say you're going to supervillain school but there aren't enough Francophones graduating, then the government would have to actually actively try to find more Francophone supervillains. Because that's kind of what happens here, but not with supervillains. Because fewer people speak... French there's so much more funding going towards getting francophone people to other areas of the country or to just teach French. Hmm. I think there would also just be like mandatory quotas for francophone supervillains going around destroying the place.
0: I am intrigued by the idea of affirmative action for supervillains.
1: Like the superheroes turning up to escort some supervillains out of town not because they're supervillains but because there are too many supervillains and they're needed one province over yep <laughs> okay I, I know you think you thought you weren't bringing anything to the table but this thing is writing <laughs> itself this is fantastic <laughs> i mean it's also a tremendous piss take of everything canadian which <laughs> which i think we could not have planned better <laughs> system working precisely as intended
2: It's not quite so related to mind beams unless you shoehorned in. that Each one has a power gem on their helmet, roughly, Mm. where their forehead is that shoots out something or does something. The Canadian part I've got down. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You you picked up on one word out of three. (laughs) I mean, frankly, given some of the complete rubbish we've done, that's a 33% hit rate. That's actually pretty good for this show.
2: (laughs) I could die happy.
1: (laughs) I think the very first episode, Kev had an idea from the prompt Alcatraz that had absolutely nothing to do with Alcatraz other than that it involved prisons and water.
0: (laughs) And that was a pretty easy precedent, so we rolled with it.
1: And frankly, it's worked for 87 regular episodes and God knows how many other ones. So um, the internet police haven't called us on it yet. And they are a real thing. (laughs) They totally are. Big polyhedron is going to be crashing down at some point. We could go with a Ben idea. We could go with a Craig idea. We could go with Charlie's crowdsourced idea. Oh, no, uh, no, we no. Can... Someone else's turn. I can pick up. I've been doing a fair
0: amount of research, like even sort of like thinking. Splitter. Well, nothing came immediately to mind. I have been on the far side of the, pl- well, mostly far side of the planet from Canada my entire life. I did know a um, a Canadian family when I was in like, primary school back in New Plymouth. Due to the whole petroenergy boom that happened there. Lovely people, of course, almost stereotypically so, but otherwise, very little contact. So I did some reading, googled Canadian Mindbeams. There is a psychedelic progressive rock magic group called Mindbeams somewhere in Seattle. Almost Canada? (laughs) That's very close, except I listen to them, and apparently psychedelic prog rock magic involves everyone playing in their own tempo and key.
1: Ooh.
2: See, that's not
0: Canadian. That is not Canadian, because they're not working together for the betterment of society. No, they really, really aren't. I don't consider myself an expert, but, you know... (laughs) i was having trouble focusing well maybe that was the magic part <laughs> it may have been like an oral magic eye picture and i just wasn't crossing my ears enough <laughs> also on a random australian news heavy inverted commas site i found out about something called project Bluebeam, which mentioned harp which is in alaska which is also damn close But this is an amazing conspiracy theory aimed to replace world religions with a New Age doctrine, in which step one is to use localized, precise, focused earthquakes to destroy sites of archaeological and religious significance. That's step one. That's step one. (laughs) This is your step one for taking over the world. I'm like, holy crap. Apparently, Sir, somebody called Serge Monast was an exponent of this sometime in the 90s, and then he died suspiciously of a heart attack, not an earthquake. But yes, I like that step one is get rid of something which often contradicts statements made by religious texts to discredit them. <laughs> thought, okay, you're starting out strong. Awesome. <laughs> And step two is basically the EPA agents claim and from Ghostbusters. Step three is just crazy pants. But Wow. Yeah, they're talking about the high frequency active or research program, which is sadly in Alaska. And I'm thinking, damn.
2: See, but then if we're going full conspiracy theory, then perhaps, you know, the claim it's in Alaska is just a lie perpetrated by the Canadian government to deflect blame onto American neighbors.
1: Hmm. Oh, it's just where their mailing address is. <laughs> nice. Close enough
0: that they can like just skidoo across and pick up their letters and maybe it's part of a huge arcane complex of these these antennas. And they they had to like to, to even it out they had to put some in, in Alaska. But the rest of it kind of stretches across the top of the North American continent. And that's possible.
2: Well a lot of um a lot of Canadians will have American mailboxes just set up in a town near the border and we'll just go across and pick stuff up so i think this is a very credible theory
0: as someone who has ever tried to order things overseas from america i can understand that (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah
1: i was wondering if that was the reason because that was going to be my question why on earth would you do that but because then it doesn't count as international yep wow Yeah, that's definitely, I think. I'm still getting used to the idea of people being able to sort of walk across borders. I haven't actually done it myself yet. But the idea of driving to another country to pick up your mail is just hilarious to me.
2: (laughs) I kind of found it odd. We don't live close enough to the border to do that. But it's just a super normal thing for a lot of people. as They just have an American mailbox and there are whole companies in these towns, that will just have like a wall of Canadian mailboxes, and that's how they make their money. Like, they do other postal stuff, but yearly rental fees from a Canadian person.
1: It's fantastic.
2: So I think Alaska is the mailing address.
1: Nice. Yeah, oh, that's good. This is, good. A
2: Canadian, this is a Canadian conspiracy.
1: So if I had
0: heard someone use the phrase Canadian mailbox, my brain would have linked it with Canadian girlfriend
1: and I would have been <laughs> would have been really confused. Not a real mailbox? And I am just imagining and unfortunately I've actually had the canadian border described to me by somebody who had done the pacific crest trail but i am imagining you just got your standard mailbox with the red flag on it on a post just middle of nowhere and there's just a fence and periodically somebody unlocks the gate wanders through checks the mail wanders back again possibly they're holding a cup of coffee
2: <laughs> that would be amazing i think i think it's that it's slightly more involved but that was what crossing the border was like for me You're more or less just waved
0: on through. Wow. So trying to juggle all of these totally disparate inspirational elements, thinking of looking at a game called Headspace, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse, cyberpunk hacking versus the corporations kind of situation, where the operatives literally share Headspace. They can swap skills with one another, but it comes with a certain amount of emotional baggage, And there's also a track in the middle of the table, which shows the emotional state of the collective consciousness at that time. Part of the game is managing your levels of ego and rage and so forth, because you're all in this together. And given that the corporations are the targets, I assume that there is a a fair amount of history as to why you are striking back at these monolithic kind of situations. But putting a, a spin on that, where you're going up against some grotesque conspiracy who are currently poking holes in the sky or something like that, using their uh, high-frequency um, batteries of antenna. That would be a, something that we could look into. How to make that supremely Canadian, though? I'm not sure.
2: I think that, I think you'd need to change some of the um, dynamics about the emotional baggage, because I think if you're going to have Canadians sharing a headspace... Mm. They're going to try and be as accommodating as possible.
0: Oh, wow. No, that's, that's brilliant. To each other. Oh, yeah. So it's like their the, the ability to achieve their goals is hampered by the fact that, you know, they, they're not trying. They're a little bit too self-effacing. They're not going to try and put themselves ahead of one another. I'm not going to try and show off.
2: Yeah. It's like, no, you have a go. No. Oh, I'm so sorry. Did I stop you from, you know, doing that thing? Here, let me help you, like, be better at the thing.
0: That is, that's... Uh, beautiful reversal of what is you know, probably your you, your your grimy cyberpunk literal punks, hackers, street samurais, fixers and so forth, except it's very pleasant and polite. And they just don't don't want to don't want to rock the boat. But you're attempting to go up the mo- against the most gross conspiracy possible. They're you know, whatever that music was supposed to do. They're basically fucking evil. But you're held back by the social conditioning, which works great in a lot of other situations. Not so much. And actually, that brings me back round to something I just caught up on, a short comic series by Brian K. Vaughan called We Stand on Guard, and it is a kind of terrifying account of a Canadian insurgency in the year 2112 against the Americans who have come to take their water with massive flotillas of drones and fighting machines and so forth. In this case, the whole being polite thing and accommodating has really gone out the window, <laughs> quite a serious fashion. But I would, I recommend that to anyone. That's a, and it's not all just you know Americans are bad, but it is very, very. It's quite affecting and very violent. But the notion of i don't know if it's even like something that's been cultivated so i thought saw something about people considering is it why is it? is it because it's a cold country you've got to rely on one another to um to survive through the winters so, maybe but yes the idea of running your gritty cyberpunk rebellion while being hampered by the fact that you're quite genial and pleasant people i dig it I really do I've got should try and get my hands on a copy of the um, headspace RPG yeah and then see try and hack it for overly polite people <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's just it's interesting um, just because everyone is you know Uh, strangers will just like chat to you and I've I found myself sort of just being more open to conversation with people I don't know for no real reason since moving here because it feels like the thing to do Mm -hmm. and the whole stereotype about Canadians being polite and you know overly nice I think I think what it stems from is just that um, Canada as a society is slightly more about looking after the group than it is about looking after the individual. You know, America's very individualistic and Canada is always compared to America. Canada has more elements of um, other societies um, that care about the group. So, you know, it's got, you know, uh, healthcare paid for through taxes, that sort of thing. Um, They've done some studies into different types of countries and whether you're more individualistic Mm. or whether you care more about the group can depend entirely on um which crops get grown more frequently in that area because some you can just do easily in your back garden and some take an entire village of people to get right um and so yeah some countries are just naturally more about Making sure that everyone is taken care of and that everyone's doing fine, and some are more just like, nope, it's about me. Mm. And Canada falls into that spot where it's about the group, to, to an extent. I think I think if um, a Canadian feels they're being taken advantage of, then they will realize, oh well, you know, this isn't working out. Mm. Um, but the stereotype does have, you know, some merit to it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's a. These things are only frequently entirely cooked up on 4chan. Oh, um, <laughs> then yeah, sorry, I don't know why that um, <laughs> example sprung to mind. Uh, cool. All right, no, thank you. You have, you have, that's, that's a, that's a very Canadian spin to put on that idea. So, yes, I, I like that. Thank you.
1: I, I am imagining the. Because I know Apocalypse World does have the you know, mark mark this stat when this event occurs. Hmm. So you're tweaking them for things like you know, mark this stat when you let somebody else have a crack at something that you, in fact, were perfectly capable and already set up to do. <laughs> nope. I have one that possibly jumps on from... Possibly jumps on from the headspace thing. So, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, part of this one comes from the fact that when you know, I've spent the last decade in in the engineering world. Um, when I think beam, I'm I'm not thinking laser beam. I'm thinking structure, mm. and so that kind of influenced where I went with Canadian mind beams. Which essentially boils down to, there is, and has only ever been, one Canadian. (laughs) One mind, experiencing the world and itself subjectively, lying under the surface thoughts of the nation. The ur The ur (laughs) And yeah, I I basically came up with two different, because the idea is pretty simple. Um, I'm not sure it is, but please press (laughs) on. Well, I mean, you know, the game would essentially be based around the idea that, you know, the Canadians claim to have no knowledge or perception of this. And maybe they don't. Then again, that's what you'd say if you were aware of it and were up to something. (laughs) So I, I came up with a couple of different versions of this one. And it's basically depending on whether you want to do a one shot or something slightly longer. That if you're trying to do a a, a one shot kind of game, I would effectively you I would use the all flesh must be eaten game, or at least the concept. So zombie horror that you've got some people who are, for whatever reason, in a town in Canada, and they stumble onto. And that become aware of, at roughly the same time as it becomes aware of them, the Canadian overmind. And it's just pure, pure survival horror. They're being nice about it, but the people in flannel with the axes are coming for you. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, you could go kind of shadow over Innsmouth with it. It's um, that, oh. that kind of thing that basically it's survive the night. Get it, out of town. It's very body snatches. But mm. yeah. But with better mustaches and facial hair all around, to be honest. <laughs> Sensible bits. And yeah. <laughs> um, so that would be that would be the short term one. The longer term one would I would I would be tempted to try to take Apocalypse World and hack it. That you've got people who are living in Canada and they slowly become aware of the the the, the ur the, mm. the this overmind. And as long as the All-Canada doesn't know that you know about it, things are okay. And so what you need to do is you need to blend in. You need to move const- confidently through their unfailingly polite midst and don't let anybody know that you know. Certainly, under no circumstance allow your actions and the actions of others to make the situation devolve into mayhem and chaos as the beams of the Canadian mind seek to lock you into place and you try to evade them. <laughs> but fortunately it's apocalypse world. So there's no way that sort of thing. Oh, Oh, wait.
0: <sighs> so the, so what's the, the metric here? So there's going to be a level of suspicion, Something that you know you've got to you've got to behave perfectly normally. If they you know the one of one of the entities seems to know something that that only another entity should know.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it would be a good for the the longer one. It it would be your kind of your slow creeping terror. Do they know? Have they figured it out? How far can we push? Uh,
0: this i would probably go back to zombie cinema because i think the point is that um oh because the um the inevitable will ratcheting of tension it's they're going to find out that that's the that's the nature of this kind of horror presentation it's just like how do they find out oh what 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 was the slip that was made and you basically go from the was it was like seven levels they go from blissful Everyone is in blissful ignorance to the, 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 um, the door is starting to fall under the um, axe blows of the throng outside who are offering Timbits and, and hot coffee. <laughs> 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 but you are not
1: going to, um, you will not escape their um, charming polite that? clutches. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know what happens when they get you. It's possibly that what they, yeah, it's, it's possible that they're not chasing you down to kill you. <laughs> it's possible that what they've got is um, a a heavily maple maple laced <laughs> double double, and um, and you will become one of the collective. I mean, for the the slightly longer term one, there's a, a Frank Herbert book, I believe, called the Santa Barrier, which, spoiler alert, does involve a town that has kind of an overmind and mo- yeah the the latter half of the story is essentially about what happens when the overmind starts to see this guy as a threat hmm. and then weird accidents start happening you know somebody accidentally grabs the wrong container and makes yeah you know, sweetens his coffee with rat poison or People lose concentration at just the wrong moment when driving and none of them are actively trying to kill him. It's the overmind that's trying to do it.
2: I don't know if a Canadian overmind would be trying to kill you.
1: I think, yeah, I think it would it'd be, be, trying, trying just...
2: be trying to welcome you. It would still be going after you and would still want you to be part of it, but probably from a more sort of... Um, benevolent mm. uh, perspective
1: polite maybe. F- yeah politely but firmly um, welcoming you and and yeah. that doesn't exclude it being creepy as balls
2: yeah <laughs> oh. it's like a stalker
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> nice and i i had not thought of the zombie cinema approach but yeah that works if instead of yeah instead of having the the level of zombiness it's the level of suspicion so you've gone right the way from it has no idea that you know all the way up to, yeah, as you say, the axe blades are pounding into the door and somebody's um, somebody's brought up a fire truck filled with maple syrup and they're just going to drown you out. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, the best way to sort of leverage it is to go for the... See if you can find a Canadian equivalent of the way that Japanese horror films do their exceedingly normal, ordinary circumstances just now suddenly intensely terrifying. If you could if you could find that or that sort of angle to approach it from, I think it would be very effective. And sort of funny because they're incongruously trying to be sort of
1: pleasant and welcoming. It's just inescapable. It's just coming off really wrong. <laughs> Certainly I did sleep with the lights on and a towel over the T V after I saw Ringo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Bad bad idea to see that film late at night and then go back to your room where you have a TV at the end of the bed.
2: Not
1: not a good choice.
2: Well, then you just, you put the TV on your windowsill and then you open the window so that if she crawls out, she just falls down.
1: I wish I'd thought of it. I probably would have slept better if I had done that, to be brutally honest.
0: (laughs) Rest it gently on its, um, tip the CRT over and rest it gently on the screen.
1: (laughs) Mmm. Mm. Yes, that's certainly going to work. <laughs> nice. It was an old TV. I, I know somebody else who had a TV that had a tendency to very noisily degauss itself at random oh. times when somebody walked past, and it did this the night they'd watched Ringo. Yeah. I think that TV only just survived a panic. We will throw everything in the room at this object! <laughs> <Yeah>. Reaction. <laughs> uh, I don't think anything actually got thrown, but it's kind of a glunk. Ah, monster! Uh, that's the
0: good old days when televisions would fire both radiation and monsters at you.
1: Oh, it's just monsters and too many channels.
0: Yeah. Um, so, we got some good stuff off of the our uh, the, the, uh, little corner of the Fear the Book forum, didn't we?
1: We did. Um, do you want to read that one? Uh, there was a lovely one from... It's on the Trello board. The one from Taz? Yeah.
0: Oh, actually, the one from Burning from... Um... Oh for the previous episode yes, yes, there's the um, Zercho, aka taz yep, first commented that the uh, the regarding batman sixty six King in yellow, Wow, I so imagine this villain is always wearing a porcelain full face mask when review, when removed. the actor is always facing away from the camera, and we only see terrified reactions in the victim's face. Even Batman has to to throw a bat smoke grenade to break contact with the horrible visage before he loses his mind. Robin, holy freak show, Batman. How do you survive looking at that thing? Batman, it's not the first time I've stared into the abyss, old chum.
1: (laughs) Now, just to remind me, this was from my horrible idea of taking the notion of the the Al Al Hazred icon and turning it into something like Al Hazred's angels. Yes, pretty much. Is that the one? Yes. Yeah, quick to the Mythos Mobile. yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so ba- ba- Batman, Adam West Batman, but with Cthulhu Mythos. And um, Yeah, you should had, feel more ashamed of that than I do. Burning had oh, well, a
0: marvellous repast with the, well, clearly Adam West Batman is already insane. I don't think the Mythos would have the usual effect on him. Poor deluded creature. Holy mucus memory, Batman, it was trying to kill us. Empathy, old chum. The Shoggoths have nothing of eons but of subjugation by dustly villains like the King of Yellow. We may not have been able to save it, but at least it deserves our pity. Gosh, Batman, you're right. I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> yes, that's <was> lovely. <laughs> and Adam West could have pulled that off with the appropriate amount of oblivious gravitas.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I have no... Maybe Greg Kinnear could do that. Uh, he, from he was, he was in The Middleman. Some of the lines he did oh, yeah. then, just absolutely straight-faced. I have no idea how many takes it took. Maybe he could do that, but yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of want to do a, a Mythos-themed batman 66 game at some point but i'll add that to the ever-increasing list
2: <laughs> oh i might just i might just put batman in the next session of my uh of my uh Mythos game
1: yes do it <laughs> um
2: we're not we're not running call of cthulhu i i made a mod for another game uh called beyond the wall um and decided to rope all of my friends into doing it and they turned up in full costume it was amazing um
1: wow and
2: now i and it was supposed to just be a one shot and now i have no ideas what to do next but i think i will have batman be the starting point
1: what is beyond the wall as a as a game
2: it's um, a very, very fun um, game. It runs off of a kind of simple uh, D20 system. So, you know, you've got your basic six statistics and um, all that malarkey. Um, but character creation and um, is done entirely on um, tables that you roll on. And it's done cooperatively. So hmm. there will be a section... Um, In your character creation sheet you'll be given you know a little playbook with about seven tables for you to create your character background from those things all affect your stats one of them um, involves the person sitting next to you in a particular direction Hmm. so they share a life event with you and you both take away similar or the same benefit from it and the idea is that you play a group of um, Young teenagers in a sort of um, Witcher Three style horrible village, um, and you've never been beyond the wall of your little village ever. Um, and then something happens, and you have to go beyond the wall. And it, it kind of, if you if you do it seriously, it really captures that sort of um, magic of. You know your your first kind of adventure when you, or you know, the stories you would write about yourself as a brave knight, um, because you are ultimately playing a child who would like to be a knight or something like that. Um, if cool. you do it the way I did it with Kevin Jack, then you'll just be chasing a pig for two hours. <laughs> 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 and... Um, and then uh, getting back to town with multiple pigs, and then blaming everything that went wrong on the watchmen because you have a vendetta against them because they took a job you wanted.
1: Sounds. It does sound like them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was was that
1: ins- no, hmm. was that inspired by Over the
0: Garden Wall at all?
2: Um, I'm not sure. Um. <sighs> I kind of, I've not done a lot of research into where the ideas came from. I've just kind of been obsessed with it as how can I tweak it for this hmm. type of setting. Um, but no, it's um, it's very uh, addictive in its charm.
1: Hmm. And will apparently involve Batman.
2: It will now, yeah. <laughs>
0: nice. <laughs> well, what's that saying? It was like, be anything you want to be. Unless you can be Batman,
1: then be Batman. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. I I, said, dress for the job you want. So here I am in a disciplinary um, meeting, dressed as Catwoman.
0: (laughs) 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 Nice. I I do like the idea of the life path slash famous traveller background kind of things, but actually... Calling out to other characters' playbooks mm. and getting. You know. oh, Robin. Hmm.
1: No,
2: it's it's very fun, um, and it it kind of um, completely. If you're if you're a fighter type and you're sitting next to um, a mage, then it can boost stats that you probably wouldn't ever have used, and given you, it'll give you some interesting little abilities. So it's.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It's just very fun. Um. It does sound it cool. I have
0: to look into that. It's always it's it's always nice to have a, a a guest on because we get to get outside of the, um, the things that influences that we're exposed to normally, and you know inject something novel into our weird little world. So, awesome.
1: <laughs> it's new information enters the circle.
2: Dun dun dun. Hmm. It's actually the um the uh, system that uh, Tom's idea for Canadian Mind Beams was uh, based on. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but his thing was rather than you've never gone beyond the wall and now you're leaving, it's about um, getting over the wall and becoming part of that society. That And it's in no way based on the fact that maybe a lot of people might wish to leave a particular southern country and come to Canada and maybe that might be difficult.
1: God but damn kind of what's the Marlin's them. trying to break into <laughs> <laughs> No but no. we definitely
2: want to we want them to be safe and we want them to you know <laughs> It's uh, yeah but his idea was about you know you're you're playing um, a group of people who you go through the same character creation system but you go through all of the horror and the hell and then you get to the town Oh, okay. To try and get to like
1: ah. Canada. Come to Canada Salvation awaits Yeah <laughs> A new life in the off-world colonies No wait, that was Blade Runner, <laughs> never mind <laughs> um, I'll be honest, the first thing That came to mind was or well, basically the maze Runner, but at the end of it is Canada Um <laughs> Which I suspect means that I have a very grandiose idea of what the Canadian border looks like.
0: <laughs> I think I saw one that they'd photoshopped with a privacy hedge,
1: <laughs> <Basically>, <laughs> rather than some <laughs> imposing barriers. Like, you know, just just keep it down. Yes. <laughs> according, according to a guy I was talking to on a train who'd just done the, the Pacific Crest Trail, which runs... It's basically from the Mexican border to the Canadian border that
0: mm-hmm.
1: the Mexican border was this huge imposing fence wall thing that you could in fact reach under to touch Mexico, and at the Canadian end, there's a fire break and a sign saying, "This is Canada. If you don't have a visitor's permit, you should probably turn back <laughs> So apparently, at least in that area, it operates on the honor system, yep. and fair enough. <laughs> okay. So, Zerch had an idea for our our
0: today's topic.
1: Do you want to read on from there? I I, I can do that. I do. I I do like the reversal of of things. Yeah, people trying to break into the. The, the Canadian utopia, would there be people actively trying to stop them? Or is this a case of people trying to break into a place that isn't actually trying to keep them out?
2: Oh, I think it's... Um, I don't think they'd be trying to keep them out. I think a lot of um, Beyond the Wall is... For, for the characters, they quite easily get Beyond the Wall. And then they have terrifying adventures with, like... Um, sentient bears and well bears are sentient but like very intelligent
1: (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) and like horrible fairy creatures um, like in the old school type fey kind of Mm. way Um, and dark cults and whatnot so it would be more like you're you're kind of you're going through a very sort of first edition um, dungeons and dragons type hell where, you know, there's these uh, tricks to Faye trying to make you turn back and all this horrible stuff. Um, maybe you have to fight a moose or whatever. And then finally, Canada. Um, and it, it's just like a really boring, normal place. Um,
0: <coughs> yeah, I I definitely skew it towards that the, the situation that you're fleeing has broken down so badly that fleeing it is also dangerous.
1: Plus <clears throat> bears. Because <laughs> they're maize. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe go as far as the, I mean, I'm obviously just stuck on the maze runner idea, but sort of go as far as the six string samurai kind of approach of uh, the, the quasi mystical journey that ends you up in some small town in Canada where there's a Tim Hortons. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: maybe the education system has just degraded that badly. The, you know, the, the outside world is, is, is lost to, to the mists of time. And <laughs> Canada is fundamentally unchanged
1: over the hill. <laughs> <laughs> and you could go I know I know I'm getting stuck on this one. You could you could go um not quite classical, but um, you could go grand, grandiose on it, and sort of have them, have them sort of hack their way through the wilderness,
2: mm-hmm.
1: defeat the alarmingly sentient um, bears and <laughs> the the the, um, the carnivorous moose and and all this sort of thing, make it into town, be welcomed, mm-hmm. and then turn to see that. Nothing they were battling was ever really there. It was their own mind all along. Ah, uh, the mind beams come back. Nice. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 excellent. Maybe
2: the mind beams aren't from Canada, but the Canadian mind beams are what's trying, or what your, you know... Um,
1: your, your nation is are using. trying to create. Yes,
2: they're like this is this is Canada, and it's 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 so dangerous. The Canadian mind beams are just there to stop you.
1: Mm. you. So you've you've been battling your way through the wilderness. Meanwhile, there's been a bunch of people sitting just the other side of the border mm. saying, "He's been punching that tree for a really <laughs> long time, hasn't he?" <clears throat> yeah, but you've got to admire his stamina. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, so very much a you, you You only you only bring with you what's inside you kind of spirit mm. quest.
1: To, yes, to shades sp- of Ithaca. There's a poem. Uh, forget who it's by. Ben can find it. It'll be in the show notes and it's his turn. Oh. <laughs> awesome. Actually, I was... <laughs>
0: I'd been I'd been clicking around randomly looking for things. I was reminded of a of a poem,
1: um, to do with your current position. But the um, was it what? sitting on a stairwell st- stairwell with m- one buttock going numb. That's a very specific <laughs> yeah. poem.
0: I'm I'm certain it's a it's a, a, a it's a, a genre of pastoral poetry that we we probably haven't explored as much as we could have but the... Um... Robbie
1: Burns may have taken a crack at it at some point. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: oh, the arse is gone, Norm. Uh, yes. yes, the whole, whole refrain on that. But I was thinking of the as I was going up the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish, I wish he'd stay away. But the, apparently about the ghosts in a place called um, Anta- Antigonish in Canada. Ah. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, so it was uh some 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 um stately home or similar and so an American poet, um William Hughes Mearns, but apparently it became so popular he published himself a bunch of a a book of pistakes of his own poem, so <laughs> Nice. <laughs> that might have been a um, a previous era of, of popular culture that we've we've passed beyond now, but it's always good to see if you could have that sort of relaxed
1: attitude about your art.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Relentlessly take the piss of your own famous work. Yeah, yeah and
0: apparently in, in, yeah. in the vicinity there is a St Francis Xavier University <gasps> in in Nova Scotia, and. Yes. Yes. And literally, the, the, I, it was one of the other things that I was trying to work into an idea. They have, ta- they have, they give their, 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 their um, graduating students X rings and their, um, sports teams are known as the X men and X women. So <laughs> they, they, it's like, I'm trying to, I, I can't tell just from very, very light internet prodding whether, why that they that because the place has been there for you know since the mid eighteen mid eighteen hundreds, but I can't tell if they inspired the comics in any way or they're just gone.
1: Yep, we'll roll with that. Cool. Or it was parallel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would be fantastic if it was just they would just gone with the X Men because made sense, and then, then this comic comes out, and you've got a bunch of people doing the okay, this is a little weird. Um. <laughs> they're, they're onto us. But not quite. Yes. Mm. A,
0: little, a little interesting. So I don't don't know if there's any connection at all there, but I thought that was amusing.
1: <laughs> mm.
2: yeah, even if there's no connection, um, they probably do just have superpowers anyway, and they just don't want to say anything because you know, there's those nice other X-Men, you know, we don't want to, you know, take the wind out of their sails. They've already got a Canadian, so it's okay. We don't need to say anything.
0: Indeed, indeed. That is interesting one of the, um, given that Logan's coming out shortly um, on the most famous... Are we not doing phrasing anymore? (laughs) That's... (laughs) That is North Star. He's the first canonically gay superhero, as far as I'm aware. He was an elf flat. He was a huh, okay. total tool. <laughs> <laughs> Not that, you know, most of those characters are very sort of like, except for Puck, Puck Rocked. Um, they weren't very... A lot of them were very sort of stiff and sort of impersonable. Weight of the world and Yeah, and not not sort of like dickish, but kind of just stolid and ooh, yeah. You know, terrible things are happening. I'm very serious about it. Ah, um, uh. yeah. So, but yes, a um, Hugh Jackman playing a Canadian mutant, it kind of being one of the most famous Can- Canadian representatives in the world.
1: So, he, he, easily one of the most um, in, interesting of the X Men. So, yeah,
2: I think I think everyone's pretty happy for him to be the representative.
1: Yeah, yeah, there are there are much worse superheroes that one could be settled with as a representative.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's always funny trying to come up with what a a really cliched representative New Zealand superhero is, because you can just. Delve into something really awful, really quickly.
2: Well, I'd, I'd argue ever since two thousand and one, it's just Frodo Baggins.
1: That's something I hadn't thought of. Yeah.
0: Mm.
2: I mean, every every time one of my friends goes to New Zealand, they just it's it's all Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this, well, this country has what?
2: nothing else of interest to me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it is what most of the country looks like. I mean, it makes the cities a bit weird, and apartment blocks built entirely of burrows on top of each other, frankly, get <laughs> annoying after a while, but um, yeah, mm. it increases your green space.
2: There you go. Yeah.
1: I keep hoping that the person who owns the the Hobbiton site slash set will start digging out and uh, setting up a and b on site. That would be if, good. Yeah, because hmm. let's face it, cashed-up nerds—they yep. would sell internal organs to get uh, to get to stay at at bag end.
0: Mm. Yes. No. New Zealand superhero. I keep thinking of um, what's the comic you keep sending me links to? The Sweden and Friends one. Oh, Scandinavia in the world. Scandinavia in the world. Yes, that the the, the, refer- the New Zealand representative in that one is a sheep. <laughs> apparently in a, v- a, a, very, a very serious relationship with whales. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think there are... I'm not sure if there are any other animals portraying
1: countries in that one. Like, uh, no, know. I think it just it's just New Zealand it's a very, is it's, it's portrayed a by... Chief, but it's like, huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um...
0: Apparently whales think so, at least...
1: Australia sometimes turns up surfing on a wombat (laughs) as in he's surfing but a wombat is holding the board for some reason okay yeah, it's a strange comic it is Um, they've been having a lot of fun with well it's a format that's uniquely designed to take the piss out of international politics shall we say so (laughs) they've been having a lot of fun recently
2: yeah. Oh, God, they must
1: be. Yeah, <laughs> it's, um, you know, including, I think it was, uh, I think it was Denmark, yes, when the US ambassador to Denmark was recalled, because his, I don't know, shift was up or whatever, and apparently the country had just absolutely fallen in love with this guy and his husband. And so you just had this entire strip of Denmark crying over the fact that these guys had left and they might never come back and hating the new people because they weren't those guys.
2: So, um, I just want to link you to, I, I just searched um, Scandinavia and the world. Mm -hmm. And this is what uh, the most recent
1: comic is. Clicking on the link. And it kind of... uh, (laughs) It's
2: perfect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It really is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You have this Lovely, uh, lovely Canadian man. Just, uh, just trying to conduct a business transaction, and getting so nervous because there's a lady <laughs> and Europe.
1: <laughs> That's brilliant, and he does look really nervous. Yeah, and then deeply confused. <laughs> he is. Wow. Um. All right, so was I supposed to read the thing from Taz? Oh yes, if you if you've got the got I that can read you. it. Okay, so <clears throat> it says Taz's suggestion for um, Canadian mind beams. Somewhere in a military bunker, a top secret briefing is in progress. From the shadows, the presenter spoke. As you can see in this slide, orbital radar detected a large metallic disk buried under the Canadian tundra. The egg's heads estimate it to be over 300 metres across. Seems like that would be a job for the Canadians, sir. We sent in a company of uh, Canadian army rangers and a team of US SEALs. And they got lost. We found them at a Tim Horton 600 miles from the drop point. Colonel Whistles. That's a serious navigation error. Eh, Eskimo hospitality, Canadian courtesy. Ever wonder why some of the most brutal climates in the world produces some of the nicest people? I'd always assumed it... That by working together, they improve their odds of survival. Eh, bullshit. Humans are programmed to screw each other. The real reason there is that they're being manipulated. Canadian freaking mind beams. Not everyone in Canada is nice. I mean, they've got hockey, right? The closer you get, the more powerful the CMBs are. By the time you get down to around Detroit, they're ineffective. And that's where I come in? Exactly. We want you to assemble a team and use your prototype remote drone soldiers to investigate this site, determine the level of threat, and recover any applicable technology. You've got seven days to get ready. Seven days? These models have never been tested in Arctic conditions. We know, but the news has been leaked, and the Soviets are already building their team. I thought the Soviet bipedal drone program was discontinued. It was. They're using convicts and psychopaths with remote-controlled shock collars. The four-star general steps out of the shadows. You have your orders, Colonel. Get your droids online ASAP. Um, Suggestions for system are, something where failure is fun. I'm thinking a light-hearted, powered by the Apocalypse engine with robot prototype playbooks, or a more realistic but slightly silly spin on paranoia.
0: Hmm. Yes. It would also... um... We'll go with the uh, we stand on guard, but in a horrible
1: way <laughs> i I'll admit I was looking at that one and i um I thought you could have fun by taking that idea and then using the poutine system
0: the poutine. oh yes, yes, no we- listen to some of the the play the play tests from that where you're People play different roles, and and uh, someone gets to be the server because which you know engages the characters in different situations. Because the core experience and fundamental you know
1: part, thing of that poutine is regret. I, I just kind of like the idea that you've got this as the backdrop, but. You've got this town with just increasing numbers of special forces um, types and drone soldiers and psychopaths with the uh, shock collars and Soviet walking bipedal drones all interacting in Tim Hortons and coffee shops and other coffee shops and cafes and that kind of thing because they keep trying to escape and it keeps not working. <laughs> so it's kind of Hogan's Heroes. Mick, elements of the Hogan's Heroes, um, um, vibe of idiocy, combined with relationship building and regret.
0: Oh wow! I have found reference to a New Zealand superhero, one uh, Kiwi Black. Apparently, the son of Zazel, uh, brother of Nightcrawler, and someone called Abyss. Um, turned up in one uncanny X-Men, never seen again, came from a Ritoria, so it was probably a bit hard yes <laughs> good grief hmm. that's, that's that interesting. is interesting well, I guess the close if if, I mean, if, if, if if we are looking for New Zealand superheroes, I think effectively, or, or, or heroic figures I think effectively our the the, the the person best qualified is Xena. Oh no, I wait. Oh no, I mean Lucy Lawless. She's amazing. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so that's a, that's fine. That's an okay thing to settle for. I think.
1: <laughs> cool. I know, I'm kind of liking the, the superhero duo out of uh, Hunt for the Wilder People.
0: That would be Sam, Neil, and the kind of overweight
1: kid. <laughs> Julian... Oh, crap, I've forgotten his surname.
0: Uh, yeah, anyway, so... Um, so the hero- they, they are heroic in their own, their own wee way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they they are heroic. They They are an effective fighting force when... No other option presents itself. Um, That's for effectiveness or fighting. That's what being a hero is all about, really. Being an available option. (laughs) Mm. Well, that, I think, probably reaches... Well, it certainly reaches the end of our content. Um, I, I suppose now is the time to ask, was was the intention to have the horrifying hostel story in the episode? Oh, we've forgotten about that. Dif- you should definitely
0: relate it. I mean, um, provided you are still awake and everyone's got got the time.
1: Oh, in that case, should we should we maybe do the closeout and then put in the horrific hostel story, which um, has some bodily functions warnings, people, and I'll sort of put it in after the credits. Sure. Okay. Okay. On that case. Um. Thank you for coming along and your and your role as an expert on all things Canadian and interpreter of Canadianness, Charlie. <laughs> it was entirely awesome to have you on the show.
2: It was lovely to be here and to to um, continue to convince the world of um, the stereotypes um, in Canada so that when we do take over the world, it's completely by surprise
1: nobody will ever see it coming they were yeah. so polite
0: and quiet wait a minute, that <laughs> makes this podcast a Cam- Canadian mind beam
2: it does
0: mind blown. It was my
2: plan all along <sighs> definitely
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow <sighs> I, I'm,
1: I'm not even mad <laughs> it's okay we got taken in by Big Maple it happens yep. indeed
2: you were talking about the Er Canadian, but maybe the Er Canadian's been talking to you. Uh,
1: the Canadian was inside of us the entire time. <laughs> nice. Oh,
2: I'm gonna have to tell. I'm, I'm gonna have to have. I'm gonna have to tell Tom that so that he can say that.
1: Ding. <laughs> All right. Oh, thank you. thank you very much. Thank you, listener, for. Listening to this, a sponsored broadcast of the Ur Canada and the leader of tomorrow. No, we really mean it. <laughs> and that's good night from a stairwell in Edinburgh.
0: And good night from a pleasant, not yet cicada ruined afternoon in New Zealand.
2: And good night from the fruit and wastelands of Canada.
1: Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to h-o-a-r-d-e dot net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under attribution, non-commercial, share
0: alike, 3.0 unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the
1: album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time! But yes, the the story, the story of Pukey Van der <laughs> I was in an eight-bed dorm. I had a top bunk. Uh, various other people there. It was the night of the I think Scotland versus Ireland rugby match, and there were there were people celebrating. It got a bit loud. At about. 1130 the um one of the residents of the room a young chap from south africa staggered in i think he was using his phone to try to identify his bed which given that it was a bottom bunk and he had to take four tries before he found it indicates roughly how drunk he was because it's not like we'd moved anything round <laughs> um oh but it was probably moving from his perspective from his perspective, yes. He, he collapsed into bed. Um, he... There were already, I think, a couple of people, uh, other than myself, at least trying to sleep. He collapsed into bed. He got undressed. Possibly more than he intended to, and with all the grace of, like, one of those clothes-airing things falling down a spiral staircase... Um... And, uh, yes, managed to give the entire room, the the, the whole view, as it were, um, and passed out on the bed. And then started throwing up in the bed that he was still in. Oh,
2: no. In,
1: in a super dignified position already. <laughs> right. If by super dignified you mean kind of curled into a fetal position on his side, not having been able to figure out how the duvet worked or indeed how getting fully onto the bed worked so that what you had was this pale ass sticking out the edge of the bed into the aisle, then, yes, super dignified. Somewhere along the line, one of the other people in the room came back to the hostel with a young lady... Who was not one of the residents of the room? Now that guy had the bed above pukey Vandermegee, but instead decided to use the empty bunk below mine. And I am informed by by somebody who got up at about this time and just left the room in disgust um, that they were in fact doing what we suspect they were doing. I had. Act- Julie assumed they weren't because there was very little motion or 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 anything and it sounded like they left fairly quickly so they were (laughs) polite and maybe not doing each other any favors Um, (laughs) somewhere along the line uh, the, the the puking menace did get the idea that maybe he could go to a bathroom got up, got a few steps into the room realised he was naked and there was a girl there, covered his bits and retreated back under the somewhat (laughs) sticky duvet yeah and then just fell asleep in that um, in that same, here is my backside um, uh, fetal position (laughs) eventually the noises stopped and it was at this point that I got up to go and check that he was still alive (laughs) <laughs> um, which meant, of course, that yeah, the room was dark. I had to use my cell phone torch to try to determine whether he's alive. So I'm essentially standing there at 3.30 in the morning, very tired, attempting to ignore the mild smell of, of, of vomit, shining my light of the, of the phone over this unconscious, naked idiot, attempting to determine whether he's still breathing, and then trying to decide how much I care. Because it's kind of that thing of, well, if he's breathing, which he was, great. And if he's dead and cold, great. What do I do if it's somewhere in between and he's resuscitatable? Um, can I remember CPR? Do, do I want, want to, to be able to? to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there any way that I can, as a responsible adult, just walk away from this situation and pretend I haven't
0: noticed? Um, and, probably not. And you feign surprise when I am indifferent about travelling internationally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, to be fair, this is the first time that this has happened to me in a hostel. That is fair, though. No. It has, however, happened to at least one person that you know. Indeed. <laughs> um and so yes, I left I at that point decided, okay, I'm just I want out of this room at least for a while. Wandered out to down to the lobby on the grounds of, well, yeah, maybe I can see whether whether the people on staff have any ideas. I got there to find that the guy who'd left the room in disgust was down the, um, down in the lobby just sitting in the chair with a look of despair on his face. Um, the, the people in the hostel did actually take it seriously at the point where, like, a quarter of the room has come to say, okay, there's a guy throwing up in the room. Um, but they couldn't really give us, at least at the time, couldn't give us another room. I decided to go for a walk because, frankly, the option of going back up to the room, dragging the idiot into a shower by his ankles and just leaving him in a well-draining area seemed to be the kindest option that I could think of. And it still doesn't sound very kind. (laughs) I went for a walk around Edinburgh and discovered that it was actually worse out there than it was in the room and just in terms of vomiting and drunkenness. (laughs) Um, Clearly, a lot of people had a very good night got back and they'd actually managed to find a completely empty room that I and the other guy could go into. Which we did at four in the morning. <sighs> oh, well. to, uh, uh, van Vander McGee is still at the hostel. They didn't kick him out. To <laughs> uh,
0: <well. laughs> uh, entirely fair, it is not the nation in question. It is hostel life. I'm sure that other spectacular events happen hostels in New
1: Zealand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Well, they happen in hostels all over the place. Yeah. Um, different hostels have different levels of, of triggering the get out. Uh, I have seen somebody being ejected from a hostel because he had large amounts of really smelly laundry. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah but that was the ballad of Pukey van der McGee <laughs> he will never be forgotten <laughs> he will never be forgotten he is <laughs> never
0: amorphized in mind control podcast for me
1: indeed well, let this be a warning to you future Canadian <laughs> for that is where one day we all shall live well
0: Thank you, Charlie, and surviving listeners for your intestinal fortitude of getting to this this far uh, this far into the bonus content of the podcast. I guess it's just bonus. now totally bonus. a bonus. bonus. <laughs> yes. I guess it's now time to bid everyone adieu, and we will see you next time for
1: oh crack, we have to draw some cards, don't we? I'll get right on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>